from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. Back in the lab as we talk about how we can finish off of two feet better, how we can teach our players more efficiently how to finish off of two feet in a variety of different game situations. And uh, we're back in the lab. I'm excited to be back home because I'm recording this. My kids start school tomorrow. And so, yeah, you finish our summer camp tour, nine weeks, approximately 949 players, give or take, we had come through uh, the course of this summer, not that I'm counting. And then, yeah, come home, got a couple weeks to try to recharge, just rest. Body's so banged up, body's so tired. Like, um, just try to let my mind relax, unwind. And then once the kids start school, um, then we, you know, we get back into more of our fall training schedule down here and all that different stuff. So um, it's good to be back. It's good to be talking to you back here in uh, in my office. And I'm excited to share as we get into two foot finishes, finishing off of two feet, having a good foundation, what does that, what does that look like? And, you know, I mean, this, this goes way back to a little bit of my story coming up as a player, you know, even I think of when I just was early in my coaching career uh, in Perrysburg, I was an assistant coach there. And there were a lot of times where I would jump in the drills, some of the off season workouts, some scrimmages during the season. And one thing coach Boyce was always telling me is like how well I finished off of two feet, you know, always having good balance and how that was something that he really wanted me to continue to work with the players on the team. I was just being able to get more comfortable finishing off of two feet. And if we, if we look at it, you know, there's three main ways that we could finish off of two feet as far as our base, base footwork, right? So one would be your stride stop finish, right? A stride stop finish as you're approaching the basket would be the outside foot is your pivot foot. The inside foot is the foot that can move, right? And this generally gives you an angle where your back is to the defense. It's very much of a ball security pickup And off of that, there's a variety of different finishes that you could use, but we're just using the footwork stride stop is one of the finishes that we could use. Now, the opposite of outside foot, inside foot pickup would be inside foot, outside foot pickup. Coaches will call this different things, right? You call that literally like an inside foot pickup. You could call it a one-two. Others call it a speed stop. I'm going to start calling it a speed stop more often, although that could look like a couple different ways, but it's still an inside foot, outside foot, right? So if you think about... If I'm driving from the left wing and I'm driving to the middle and I pick the basketball up left foot, right foot, that would be a speed stop, right? Inside foot is my pivot foot. That's the one that's closer to the basket. And then your third one would be a jump stop. We're all familiar with the jump stop. A jump stop could be stationary. A jump stop could be covering ground going forward. Usually if you jump stop laterally, it's called a pro hop, right? But put that in the same bucket. right? Feet are hitting at the same time. So if we look at those three main ways that we could pick the basketball up, now we can start to build a variety of moves out of those 
different finishes, different pickups. So as you think about that, let's start to transition to where would we need to have those finishes, right? And are you practicing the same finish all the time or the same location, I should say, which would be usually like we, we see a lot of same side finishes. You start on the right and you finish on the right. It's a same side finish. Okay. But are you practicing some of the other finishes that you need if you want to be successful in a game when there's all these different defenders around? So are you practicing finishing on the other side of the rim, the opposite side? That could be a reverse finish or an across the rim finish. We work on the across the rim finish a ton at our individual training sessions, at our basketball clinics. I think it's an underrated finish. I think that a lot of times if a player can't initially finish on the same side, they pick their dribble up. If they're driving middle, they pick their dribble up, whereas one more step or dribble can get them in the clear to the other side of the basket. And now space just opened up. That was a clear spot. So we really try to break down how open that is a lot of times getting across the rim on a finish. So that's a big finishing location for us with our program and how we work with players. And I'm a big fan of the reverse layup. Um, Not like the crazy jelly, see how much I can hang in the air just because most people that's not their God given ability is to be able to hang in the air, float from one side to the other and finish that shot. But it does mean we don't want to use the reverse layup. I'm a big, big fan of using the reverse layup. So same side finish, opposite side. Three, are we finishing front rim over the top in the front of the rim? Uh, A lot of times that's where you would see a a floater or a, a jump hook where you're, you know, protected your shoulders to the rim, your body's not squared up and you get that shot off. So having that little hook and that floater when you're trying to finish over the front of the rim is huge. And then just think about this would be like a, if that was one, two, three, as far as locations, you could put like an A and a B to it of glass or no glass. Like, is this a finish where we would want to use the backboard as a finish where we wouldn't want to use the backboard? And so are you practicing those aspects of finishing as well? So if we stopped here, there's a lot of finishes already, right? Stride stop, speed stop, jump stop, same side finish, reverse finish, across the rim finish, front rim finish. Are some of those you're going to want to use the glass and some not? There's a lot of finishes we've touched on already. So just think, think about, you know, let that marinate for a moment. Then you get into some of the hands, hand positioning, right? So if we're working with our our hand position, what are some of the ways that we could use our hands when we finish? I could finish high, right? Trying to finish and just get height above the defense. This could be to power up in certain situations. This could be for a floater in certain situations. This could be for a jump hook, right? Where you're going, we're going to go up and get over the defense for that shot. Another hand placement finish could be a wide finish, an outside the frame finish. Whereas if I'm driving down the right lane line and the defender is on my left shoulder because they're protecting the basket, instead of finishing high and that ball being a little closer to my defender, I can take that finish with my right hand and go wide. Now it's away from the defense. Now it's defender body ball, good ball security but getting used to finishing outside my frame, that's tough. That's tough for, for a lot of players. And, and you might want to start, um, depend on the level of the player, or what 
where their age is, what you're trying to get out of them. Maybe it's just a slight outside the shoulder finish, or maybe you just say, Hey, we're, we're going to, you know, they're pretty good at this already. Let's work on stretching really from our shoulder out and then coming up into that finish. But that'd be another option for finishing. Third one is a reach finish, right? I tell you, I would use, I use this finish as a player and, you know, still use it a, a ton reaching to the rim. This could be with your outside hand. This could be with your inside hand. As far as reaching to the basket, the location of the defensive player is going to change. And that's why you want to reach in with your inside hand could be thrown off the timing of the shot blocker. It could be to maintain more of a defender body ball position. If the defender is behind you instead of on your inside shoulder near the basket. And we're, we're leaping and angling our shoulders and our body towards our target. And we're reaching and extending our arms, not high, but up. And that reach finish is going to be an underhand finish. If you go to our Instagram, yeah, I, I think I, we have, so Kramer Basketball has Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or X, and then Instagram. Instagram is the one where we put the most stuff out. So if you're on any of those social medias, but especially Instagram, Kramer underscore basketball, and you'll see a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about because we show a ton of, like, I'm not trying to hide, you know, you're not, you're not going to get the full feel for like a three hour camp over four days on a 30 second clip, but you're going to be able to see some of the finishes and drills that we do, which, which I think is pretty beneficial. Try to put stuff that out there as much as I can. So if you think about the hand placement, those are three base finishes, right hand, left hand, high, outside or wide and then your reach. Okay. So we're starting to, again, build this finishing package. As you build this package of finishes, it's important for us to understand, like every player doesn't need to have everything. What are the things? I mean, if you're a high school coach, 97% of the players that you have are not going to play college basketball, statistically speaking, anyway right? Higher level program is going to have more than 3% of their kids go on to play. You get the point. What are the things that you can give your players to put them in a position to succeed, put your team in a position to succeed and rep it? One-on-o, you know, one-on, you know, dummy defense or a little variable where they got to read. Live one-on-one, two-on-one, one-on-two, like, but hit those situations, right? Work on those moves. Shot timing is also really important. For most players that can't jump a lot, an early release can be very beneficial. You're getting the shot off quicker than the defense thought you were going to release the ball, and so getting it out quick can be a very big advantage for you. Two would be a general, like, on time, same speed as I'm driving as as the finish that I have. That can work. You can also finish late. Um, kid named Jason Boucher. He's not a kid anymore. He's older than me. But he's one of the best point guards to ever play at Grand Valley. And I played with him for a minute overseas. And J- um, Jason was just awesome at hanging in the air and then finishing late because he was so undersized. But he had he had really good um, coordination. And so he would jump, hang in the air, and then finish. And a lot of times he combined contact with the late finish to kind of bump the defender, take away some of their shot blocking, wait a little bit, and then flip it up, and he would score it. And so that was a really effective finish for him to have. 
So if you think we can finish early, we can finish on time, we can finish late as far as the timing. The timing can also be affected by contact. So we're going in, boom, there's a bump, and then there's a finish, right? Oh, we're almost going in and bumping and finishing at the same time. That's another option as far as a contact finish. Some players, I mean, there's a difference there, right? You can bump and then finish, or you can bump through as you go up into the finish. Those are different. Uh, you could contact finish and then get up into your shot while you're still on the ground. You know, this doesn't have to be I'm leaping in the air, initiating contact. I could initiate that contact on the ground and then get up. That could be on my last dribble. It could be on my dribble and then using my pivot to bump and then get up into my shot. One finish, another finish that we emphasized a ton this summer was being able to drive. And if we don't have that initial shot, instead of simply shot faking, which we would work on, because sometimes if there's uh, not contact as you're driving, you're going quick, you shot fake, the defender kind of lifts up and they keep going by and then you got an easy shot. But if the defender isn't floating by you on that shot fake, but they raise up and they're closing the gap, meaning they're getting more contact to you, it's shot fake, it's shoulder bump into their chest, nothing crazy, but just to get them back on their heels because they can't jump when they're on their heels, and then it's up into the finish, right? So it might be uh, speed stop pickup, shot fake, shoulder bump, jump hook would be an example, right? And the contact finisher. Slice finish, little aerial, right? Where you're you're driving to the basket. Let's say you're driving to the right block. Somebody slides over to draw a charge at the right block. And so as you pick the basketball up and jump, you're slicing and you're going to finish over the front of the rim, right? Little more athletic, little more dynamic type movement there, but that's a great one to have. And then Getting into the contact, another combo that we can have with that is what are your counters, right? So instead of driving, speed stop, jump hook, okay, it's speed stop, shot fake, and then it's bump, and now we get into my shot, right? So that's my, that's my counter, right? And so as we get into counters, here's some of my favorite counters that I like to, I like to use. So yes, you can, why well, do it a podcast, like steal all this stuff, right? Happy to share. Driving to the basket, I love the spin move because it protects the basketball and you can cover a lot of ground with it. So I'm a big fan of the spin. The pro hop is one of our two foot jump stop type finishes where we pick the basketball up and we're getting into our change direction landing on two. Another one of the two foot finishes that I like as a counter is your stride stop, getting into your donut or your rondo. Coaches will call it different things. But as you get into that stride stop finish, which is outside foot to inside foot, showing the basketball, defender goes to the front of your body where the basketball is, and then we pivot away from the defense and we clear space. I mean, just look, YouTube, Rajon Rondo, some of that donut. Like, that's a, that's a big one. Another one that's so simple that is not done nearly enough, I'm telling you, simply shot faking and then shooting will get you more points. Get your players more points, more buckets. Simply driving, shot faking, and then getting up into your shot. So simple, we just forget about it. A lot of times, if you're driving quick, you get to two feet, you show the ball, the defender in some way, shape, or form is going to get out of position, and then you can take your shot. 
A lot of times footwork is not even needed. It's simply drive, shot fake, shoot. So we talk about that. We talk a lot about the simple ones, right? The simple ones that are, they've almost become advanced because they're not used enough. And then another counter series that I like is shot fake, up and under, shot fake, step through, shot fake, Kobe, which would be your inside foot, uh, would be your reverse pivot. So those would all be off of a inside foot pivot or a speed stop. Again, I'm driving to uh, the right. The basket is on my left. So it's left, right. My left foot is hit first. That's my pivot foot. And then being able to shot fake and then step through again with my right foot. Shot fake, step across my body with my right foot. Shot fake, reverse pivot, which I call a Kobe, with my right foot. Those counters are, are excellent. I want to talk quickly about two high hand finishes real quick, though. The base little jump hook and floater. And I think good guards, good attacking guards, they kind of combine this into essentially like one shot. Because there's a lot of similarities if you think about it to, to a floater and a, a jump hook. All right. They're not the same shot, but there's some similarities. It's elbow above the head instead of elbow above the eyebrow on your shot. On a floater, it's um, we're really like it's like a half break with your wrist. Right. On a hook, you might snap your wrist a little bit more. Probably depends a little bit on how far away from the basket you are. But the other thing is it's quick. Like a lot of times when you get, you could get in a slow methodical jump hook, but if you're getting into a floater, you're, you're pushing it up, the ball's tight to your body and you're pushing it up above your head. Very similar to a jump hook in that position. Now the angle of our body changes on a floater. You're generally trying to get more lift, more air underneath the basketball than a jump hook. But personally as a player, there's a lot of times where it's like I'm shooting a half floater, half hook. If I'm, you know, on the left side of the court, I'm driving to the middle to the right and I go left, right, pick up somewhere in the paint. My left shoulder is closer to the rim and I, I get up. It's defender on my left. My shoulders are coming across because I want to protect. I don't want to face with my chest, my defender, because now I don't have any protection. So my left shoulders to the defender. And then you come up and that half little hook, half floater, you little slight twist in the air. Man, that's a super beneficial shot. Money shot. Money shot, right? Now, I grew up in a time where a couple of the players I love, like Gary Payton coming up was one of my favorite players. The glove, right? And outside of throwing lobs to Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, I mean, he wasn't flying around and dunking on a whole lot of people, right? That wasn't his game. Like if he was on a fast break, he usually laid it up. But his floater was so nice. And I just love kind of his swag and his style and how he played the game. And when he got in the basket, he had such a nice floater. And so I always want to work, be like GP, you know? And so I work a ton on my floater. And then as I got older, dude from France, Tony Parker, maybe the best floater I've ever seen from anybody was Tony Parker. And then, you know, both of those guys were more floor players, very quick very athletic, but weren't like high flyers. And then later, 
you had this towards I was finished my playing career. You had the youngest MVP in NBA history, Derrick Rose. You remember Derrick Rose? Now he was just as likely to cram on you and dunk on you as doing something crazy in the air, hang in the air. But the other thing, like he had all the finishes because he had the great floater as well. And there's something about being able to make that, like whether it's a true floater, a floater, generally you're facing the basket, by the way, like let's, I want to, I don't want to brush over that. Generally you're facing the basket when you shoot a floater, generally on a hook, your, your turn, you're protecting with your shoulder. Right. So we, we understand that, but there's something about you playing as good a defense as you can. You're in front, shot blockers coming over, but you're able to stop quickly and get balanced. And you toss that float up floater over you know, the shot blocker. And there's just like, there's not a whole lot they could do. And you still score. And for the most part, if that's a shot that you consistently practice, it's easy for the offensive player to do it. Now I worked on a floater a ton as a player. So like if I was around in the paint, the floater was a very high percentage shot for me. And I think part of it was just like growing up, some of the players I admired had great floaters. And so I, I, I was always practicing that. But I know some coaches are anti-floater. I'm telling you, it doesn't need to be everybody on your team to have a floater, but you have an undersized guard. They need that shot. Because if you just say, hey, we're going to power up, we're going to power through, and they're, they can't really jump and they're not that strong, and you're trying to get them to do that against just bigger bodies, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like, Teach them how to shoot the floater. Be patient with them as they progress, but let that be a shot that's in your curriculum for some of the, especially for some of these undersized guards. And if you're a little bigger, a little longer, right, it, it can be a deadly weapon because you have other options available that the defense is thinking you're going to take. And then you stop quick and you get that little floater up, push that floater up. And it's like, oh man, it's so deflating as a defensive player. Right. And so being able to have that as well as like that little half floater, half jump hook is a really beneficial shot. And some of the benefits of the things I'm, that I'm talking about is this translates to all positions. I know certain players probably aren't going to need a floater, but for the majority of the finishes that I'm talking about, as far as stride stop, speed stop, jump stop, those are all positions that want that. You're building in the out, the outlet the ability to protect because you're getting that base that time on two feet. This helps build us a great foundation from the youth level on up, being able to teach your players to stop on two feet and finish different moves. You know, we always talk about like, we'll run through and we'll say, hey, we're two foot finish. This is the stride stop finish that we're working on. We could talk about Abe angle is away from the basket. It's more to the corner. So my back is to the defensive player. My shoulders more to the rim, the angle, the base, I got a wide base. And then I'm working on extending. Like we talked about, it could be high. It could be in front. It could be wide. So that's Abe, our acronym, Abe, A-B-E, angle, base, extend. And we talk about how we can use this. And then a player will go in and, you know, they're working on something, but they might shoot it off one foot. I'm like, guys, listen. If we get this base finished down off two feet, we're going to be able to build on it. 
and there's a bunch of different moves we can use because we're finishing off two feet. Whereas if you don't finish off of two feet, you don't have as many moves. You don't have as many things in the toolbox because you're limiting yourself to jumping up in the air and being able to convert. So I'm, I'm not anti one foot finish by all means, like I'm one foot finish speed and space, but there's more finishes available to you when you're off of two feet. It gives time for your teammates to cut and re-space. It's easier to offense a rebound because you're generally in the vicinity when you take that shot off of two feet compared to one foot, you're kind of flying, usually out of bounds almost. Your momentum's taking you away from the rim. And it gives you more of a benefit of the doubt when there's an official there and they see you trying to go up you know, strong in a lot of these cases off of two feet you're more likely to draw some fouls, right? So if we can think about some of those benefits as we're working on finishing off of two feet and all the different, I mean, this is really a finishing buffet kind of episode with all the different variations. I only spent a little bit of time talking about the moves, but how much time do we spend talking about stride stop, speed stop, jump stop, the locations of the rim you want to finish at, the hand placement you want to finish at, and then the timing of it. That alone is, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but that's a ton of variables, right? You tweak one out of those different categories, you got a completely different shot or situation, situation, excuse me, that you could be working on. That excites me so much. I mean, that excites me so much to think about as, as a coach, trying to take a, a player and see their game and say, boy, out of all the things that we've just broken down, I think one, two, three could take your game to another level as far as being able to finish strong around the rim. Like let's work on those one, two, three, because that fits your game. That's going to take your game up to another level if we just concentrate on these three things. Now, again, we've talked about a million different variables. So maybe that next player you're working on is three completely different things that you want them to work on, but they're still finishing off two feet. They're still protecting the basketball. They're still going strong. You still have all those options to be able to become a better passer, a better offensive rebounder, right? To be able to uh, scale these things from the youth level on up, the better your players get, the more we continue to add and build off of that foundation of different ways that we can stop. It's huge for us, right? And then you start to be able to see players convert in, in a practice or a one-on-one, of course, in a game, showing some of those clips on film, it's be like, that's why we do what we do. And, and we'll have players demonstrate. We'll have players at camp and we'll show them a little bit of what we're going to do. And we'll have them go on offense for say 30 seconds. And I'll just watch. I won't coach them at all. And then after I'll, I'll break down and say, okay, player A had six reps. Okay. They went off two feet three times and they made two out of three. They went off of one foot three times. They made one out of three. What do you think that is? You know, when I went off two feet, I was stronger. You know, what about one foot? I was kind of more off balance. I got pushed. You know, I just kind of tossed it up. I didn't really extend. Okay. You're answering some very important, vital questions as far as what we should try to do more often. And we got the proof to back it up. We could literally give kids proof in a very short amount of time. They'd be like, oh, okay. So that's why we're practicing this. 
That's why we're trying to emphasize when we do some one-on-one. And then when kids get it done, be like, man, when you do this, you score more points. It's pretty easy to coach that way because everybody wants to score more points, right? And so doing what works and happens most and continuing to practice that more often is huge for, for all of us. Your players need to understand, like you're not trying to handcuff their game. You're trying to allow them to break the chains, to let them be free and do even more by giving them a little structure in the beginning of how we can start to pick the basketball up off of two feet and then work in some of these different variations. I hope this helped you out, right? Questions, let me know. You want this presentation? Like there's an extensive uh, presentation I did on two foot finishing with some video and some examples at coachesedge.coach. If you want to join our membership, is is, is great. Um, and we'll continue to have some of our meetings uh, each month uh, throughout the course of, of the year, which I'm really excited to dig into as we get into the fall and prepare for the season as well. Anything I can do for you, let me know. Contact at kramerbasketball.com, at coachesedge1 on Twitter. Uh, check out our Instagram, especially Kramer underscore basketball. We put a lot of different moves and finishes that we practice on there. Thanks again. Get after today.